Welcome to Salt and Pepper Conversations with author and speaker David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. Salt because as Christians, we're called on to be salt and light in a world of darkness. Pepper because as men, we struggle with things like hot tempers and dark thoughts. Let's join David and Aaron for today's topic. Good afternoon, Salt and Pepper listeners. Last week, we finished our series on the seven deadly sins and how we can use biblical instruction to spare ourselves from the wreckage they bring into our lives and relationships in particular. Today, we're going to help our listeners navigate 21st century confusion by defining (laughs) manhood according to the Better Man program that Aaron, you and I have both completed. Yes, sir. Now, none of us, this would be possible without the generous support of our sponsor, Electronic Recovery Services, or ERS. So don't spend 80% more on replacement costs when you can recover your existing damaged electronics at a fraction of the cost. So, Pastor Aaron, are you ready to clear things up by defining manhood? Yes, I am. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday and welcome back. Uh, Pray that your day has been blessed thus far and that this episode of Salt and Pepper Conversations will be a blessing to you all that and to all that you share it with, man. I'm glad we're uh, done with those sins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe we're not done with those sins, but we're done talking about them. And, you know, I'm confessing. I was convicting, you know, when Mm -hmm. we go through that, you know, we're not only talking to them, we're talking to each other because it's something we really have to uh, be mindful of and um, work on, you know, and if you if you miss that. Uh, if you missed that series, if you missed some of those lessons on our Saturday uh, broadcast, you can go and check out our podcast and uh, listen to them anytime, share them with your friends and family. We'd appreciate that. And I, too, hey, David, you know, um, I'm so uh, thankful for ERS, Electronic uh, Recovery Services, and their support, their continued support uh, to the show. And, um, we want you all to go out there and let them help you out with uh, everything electronic that you need. So, Dave, it's time to get it. Let's get into it. Okay. Every man needs a clear definition of manhood to guide his life. Give we me the all know, We all know <laughs> that it is difficult to be what you cannot define. So what are our options? We have three. We can make up a definition for ourselves, and there's a lot of people that are doing that, winging it. We can look to culture to define it for us. Yeah, bad, that bad, bad one. You know? <laughs> or we can look to enduring wisdom for definition. Enduring so, wisdom. So for me, enduring wisdom sounds like the best choice for something this important. And what is history's greatest source of enduring wisdom, you may ask? The Bible. The of Bible. Of course. <laughs> for example, in Jeremiah six sixteen, it instructs, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. So there are ways. It's been around a long time. The Bible's been around for over 2,000 years. Will we still look to it for those paths where we can find rest for our souls? I believe that there are many men out there that are feeling quite restless and anxious today, perhaps because our society has become unmoored from our anchors, and we feel adrift, not certain of where we're going. So, Aaron, doesn't the Genesis story in the beginning introduce us to a timeless manhood? 
You know, Dave, it does. But before I get there, you know, it's kind of crazy. I've read the whole Bible several times, and you pointing out that scripture in Jeremiah 6 um, really uh, got me because I, I looked into it, and it says the ancient ways, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know one of the names for God is the ancient of days, mm-hmm. and he is the way. I'm just saying, put that all together, and and since he is our creator, uh, in his creation, God called Adam to step up to four specific life-giving uh, responsibilities that would truly identify his manhood. And if embraced today by men today, it would make us uh, truly a manly man. Yes, manly <laughs> you man. You know, I said that a little differently than it was said in our Better Man study, but it pretty much uh, encapsulates uh, the point, the premise. In Genesis uh, 2, God gave Adam a place to live and a job to do, you know. And all he wanted from Adam was fellowship and obedience and for Adam to trust him and courageously follow his word. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what obedience is. You know, I think about it. Like I said, we're trying to take men through a biblical application of what um, being a man is, what makes you a better man, you know, uh, to live to a higher standard than the standard of these uh, of this world. You know, you gave those three choices that we have. And I always say, well, the creator probably knows best what's for the created. You know, and in in the book of Joshua, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Success from a man comes from being strong to be careful to obey. And he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it watch this then you will prosper and be successful have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for i the lord your god will be with you wherever you go man i think about that and i think about as a man hearing those words being reminded of what God's plan is and that God is with me all the time helps me to become a, 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 a better man, helps me to become a stronger man. It says obey God's word, mm-hmm. keep God's word, and do everything that is written in God's word, right? It, there's something about the word of God to help the man of God. You know, from Genesis to Joshua, actually throughout the whole Bible, a true measure of a man to God and who would know better what a man was than God is one that courageously follows his word to follow it. You got to know it and to know it, you got to pick it up and read it, Dave. All right. So life giving responsibility. Number one listeners is courageously follow God's word. Follow it. Okay. The gender issue being raised today have become absurd in the extreme in my view. Before I retired from my corporate executive job at a Fortune 100 company, every employee was asked to fill out a new human resources survey. And under the question regarding gender, there were at least five possible responses. That's insane. Depending on where you go to look, there are now something like 40 or 50 possibilities. And I can think of nothing, nothing more confusing in all of society today than this question. What has been a binary system throughout the history of all mankind, male and female, is now totally unmoored and adrift in a sea of choices. 
not about your anatomy, which defines your sex or gender, but about your sexual preferences, many of which have nothing to do with reproduction and continuation of the species, but merely reflect how one prefers to get their jollies. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Aaron, what does Genesis instruct about the creation of woman and a man's role as it relates to his helper? Well, first of all, uh, I very much like the way you put that in regards to the gender issue. You know, I I just want to comment on that a little bit, too. Uh, The world has its ideas on gender as it does everything. And people people often come up to me, Dave, and ask me, hey, Pastor, how do you feel about all this gender stuff? Uh, It is a lot easier to answer for me than people think because people are like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And I politely say how I feel doesn't matter. (laughs) That is what caused most of these problems, how people feel about something. I say this, I am a Christian pastor, holy and solely, who believe in God, in God, the word of God, and the definition of life for me as God says it, right? I believe what God says about everything, right? He didn't ask me my opinion or how I felt about gender. He told me what gender was and, and how it was supposed to be looked at. I believe him and that settles it. God, get it? I mean, that's what it is. People want to base things on how they feel. Cool, you can do that. I base things off of what God said. I didn't have a say in what God would say. God didn't ask my opinion, right? And and that's the problem. If if you but if you don't believe in God, if you don't know God, you'll be pulled by every. Uh, tossing idea that somebody puts before you. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. After God creates the woman from Adam's rib, Adam proclaims, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man, and they became one flesh. Nowhere does Scripture imply because they were... uh, uh, because a woman were created after man, that the woman that a woman is unequal uh, to a man in God's eyes, or that they should have less significance than a man. Men and women have different roles in the home and in the church, but different roles do not indicate uh, differing worth. Both men and women are created in the image and the likeness of God, and we have to get that right. Mm-hmm. But our society perpetuates something different, where a woman thinks that because of the way certain things are said, that they are devalued. That's not God's plan or intent. I like the way the Amplified uh, Bible renders the verse at 1 Peter uh, 3, 7. It says, you husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, with great gentleness and tact and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship, as with someone physically weaker, right? Since she is a woman, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of grace, right? That's an equal plan, fellow heir of grace, so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. It has nothing to do with her mental or spiritual capability. It simply refers to the fact that a woman has a different physical makeup from a man. Men are naturally stronger. And from the beginning of time, as ordained by God, men have been the primary providers and protectors of their families, right? 
Right. You know, I look at this man, and and, and providing is a form of protecting, right? When you right. think about it, for uh, for a woman's want or need, as well as physically protection from dangerous people, places, and situation. A real man is like Christ and gives his life up uh, for uh, his wife, as Christ did for the church. Right, Dave. Right. Um, it, it's just crazy that the world has put woman women in a position to argue for something where God has blessed them with a station in their own creation, right? right. We don't look at them as less. But a, a, a real man protects that woman, provides for that woman, looks out for God's woman. <laughs> and I think women would genuinely like to have that. So life-giving responsibility number two then is loves and protects God's woman. <clears throat> so a recent study by Barna titled... Five Essentials to Engage Today's Men examines these five categories, you know, identity, vocation, well-being, relationships, and church engagement. Under the vocation topic, some of the figures reported in their study stated that 37% of men under age 35 are either part-time or unemployed and looking for work. Large gaps were noted between Christian men and all U.S. men related to career goals in three areas. A healthy work-personal life balance, making a difference for your career, and fulfilling my calling. So that's what the Christian men were more focused on with their careers, whereas the non-Christian men were focused on wealth and convenience were higher priorities. And they also experienced feelings uh, of being overwhelmed and loneliness much more often. Could there be a connection? You know, we spend so much of our waking hours at our jobs. This data seems to suggest that if we are focused solely on work to maximize wealth or for convenience, that we will have more well-being problems as a result. So following the worldview instead of making a difference or fulfilling your calling is going to burn you out. You know, what does the Bible have to say about the vocational aspect of defining manhood, Aaron? Man, Dave, um, definitely a lot. I, I truly appreciate the way that you take the time to look into this stuff and uh, and the picture that you paint for this. You know me, I'm more generic, right? Uh, I just go off the Bible. People say sometimes, hey, uh, Pastor, you need to get a little more uh, understanding about things in a broader perspective. I go, I don't need to. I got friends. I got Dave, right? But, you know, the thing about um, what I learned about the word vocation uh, from the Latin word vocare, meaning a call. Work is a man's call to serve God, right? Uh, like I said before, God gave man a woman. Uh, before God gave man a woman, he gave him a job, right? Mm-hmm. A, a calling to work, right? Those statistics you shared were crazy. Men not working, only looking for part-time work, not setting the example for future generations, wanting to be a stay-at-home dad, just goes against what the Bible teaches about manhood, what a man's supposed to do. This this not working, not desiring work steals life from men and skills of it just destroys their spirit and and their hope of becoming more, right? And right. God has always created a man to strive to be more. Remember, we were fashioned and made in the likeness and image of God. God says a man that doesn't work, uh, 
he, sa- he, he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. And it says, Pretty clear. Yeah, that, that, right? <laughs> Shouldn't eat. And you know, what's even funny. It, it goes in Timothy. It says, but if any uh, provide not for his own and specifically for those of his own health, he had denied faith and is worse than an infidel. He's worse than somebody that rejects Jesus because he doesn't want to work because it's what God created man to do um, before he did anything. It's so funny because when you read Genesis, it said that God made Adam and he said that he saw that it wasn't good for him to be alone. Then he created the animals, not Eve. Right. He created the animals and whatever Adam called them, that's what they were. That was his job, naming the animals, taking care of the animals. And, and, and he did this. And then the scripture says, but there was no companion you know, so the idea of dog being the best man's friend and a man being content with a man and his dog, <laughs> that didn't happen. God didn't, it still didn't satisfy uh, what a man needed, right? And, and, and this work, a man that looks at his job as a call, you think about it like this. If a, if a man looks at the work that he has as a call and a mission field to work hard, to work for the glory of God so that others may see him and come to uh, the knowledge of God is, is, is real and better than, than, most this also man this requires a man to see a job as a means to an end not to, not the be all to end all what i mean by that is you know you were given those statistics of uh life work uh life work balance right. and 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 the man of god only sees work as an, a, a way to provide for his family help to protect his family um right but he understands that in his work he's to glorify god to do it to the best of his ability, to teach his son and his, his and show his wife. My wife used to tell me something about um, I didn't give her security, right? You know, I was a hustler, a player. I did all this craziness, and I'd go out and just get money. I'd be gone for three days like, what do you need? And I'd go out and get it. And she said, I didn't have security. You don't work. You don't show me uh, uh, security. There's so much that comes from a man in his work. That says to his kids, it shows them responsibility, it teaches character, right? But it also brings glory to God when he points to God as the reason that he does what he does and does it so well. It's just. Well, I do believe that women really gravitate to security. I don't care how good looking you are, versus <laughs> if, you're, if you provide that stability and security. You might actually win the contest. Yeah, so my wife has it all. <laughs> Good looking oh, and she's security. So, she's no, so, so very fortunate. So back on task here. Back on so, task. So life giving responsibility number three then, Aaron, is excel at God's work. So going back to the Barna data for a moment, let's look at the identity and relationships data. Specifically it, as it relates to the role of being a father. Practicing Christian men are considerably more likely to place their family at the core of their identity. So if you ask people, you know, what's, what are you about? What, how do you define your identity? Non-Christian men are more likely to place hobbies, career, and financial status at the core of who they are. While Christian men of all ages and stages place importance on family traditions, the significance of fatherhood only emerges once practicing Christian men have become one. So, and I think that's true of all men and also, of course, for Christian men. So among Christian men who have never had children, that's young single guys out there, fewer than one in six, only 15% say becoming a father is central to their identity. Wow. But nearly six in 10 
57% of those who have a child say being a father is core to who they are. So, I mean, certainly for me, Aaron, I don't know about you, but the day that I became a father for the first time was a very transformational moment in my life. It was, I can honestly confess that that was the very first time that I loved someone else more than myself. Wow. Amen. So Christian fathers largely report satisfaction with their relationship with their children. So half, 49%, say they are very satisfied, while another 3 in 10 or 30% say they're mostly satisfied. So you've got a high percentage that are pretty satisfied you know, with their uh, children. Not surprisingly, Christian men who report a positive relationship with their father growing up are considerably more likely to say they are very satisfied in their relationship to their own child, 53% compared to those whose relationships with their father was not positive, 42%. So this is not this is things that we've talked about you know, previously. In our show, yeah. Aaron, how is our role as, as fathers defined in the Bible as our fourth and final life-giving responsibility? Well, Dave, you know, again, I love those stats because they point out something. I, I, one of the key things that I, I heard was the difference between a Christian man and a man without Christ. Right. They definitely both of the uh, uh, all the stats that you gave um, were more favorable if you had God in your life. Even the men that didn't have children yet or they didn't make children a key point in their life as Christians, they looked at it um, differently. And I, I think that's important. They truly show the difference of a man that knows and seeks God opposed to one that doesn't. Right. And as a man, we should really look at, at at those things. Now, you know, I struggle with this fatherhood thing. Right. 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 Being, you know, one thing we've shared in previous shows, you having a, a great relationship with a father, me uh, not knowing my biological father, not even knowing that until I was over 20 and uh, being lied to by my mom and the man that was my father. Like it was kind of crazy. Um but, you know, that's neither here nor there anymore in my life. But how it affected me with this fatherhood thing. But when I came to know God, mm-hmm. because you got to say when you when you first had a child, it, it changed your life. When I first had a child, it changed my life. And I didn't know exactly how to handle it or, or, or how to be in it. It was a surprise to me and the mother. And we're great today. And uh, I have a great relationship with uh, my son. But it definitely helped me when I came to know God to learn to appreciate. I have three sons, two daughters, and just knowing God in that and being um, a a part of that has helped me grow as a man with the principle, the understanding of God in in my life. Fatherhood was one of, uh, of the first jobs God gave man immediately after creating Adam and Eve. God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply, Mm -hmm. right? One of his primary purpose for marriage was, offspring who would fill the earth with God's praise and glory. However, providing sperm for conception is merely the beginning of God's expectation for fathers. Sperm can make a child, but it takes a real man to be a father, a man that's going to get in there and and do his thing. He knows knows that with his children, more is caught than taught. A godly father shows his children um, a lived-out relationship with God, trains his children up in the word and the way of God. He is consistent in his behaviors, and he is, he is aware of his influence. So he watches what he says and does in front of that child and doesn't let himself be controlled by outside influences, even work, as we just talked about. He always shows that God is his ultimate authority and leads his kids to follow God throughout their life. 
So to recap then, what defines real life-giving manhood? Come on. Courageously follow God's word. Yes. Loves and protects God's woman. Excels at God's work. Betters God's world with his children. So next week we'll be giving another series on the four faces of manhood. So Aaron, why don't you uh, close us out with a prayer for all men to embrace a biblical definition of life-giving manhood. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to know you, to know your word, to know what it is to be a man according to your word. And we ask that for every man that listens to this, that they apply these principles, that they seek your word so that they may be guided. And every woman that listens to this knows the principles, values in a man that they should look for. Lord, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing this show blessing our listeners, and we ask, Father God, that you just continue to shine your grace and your light upon us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next time. Same place. Thanks for listening to Salt and Pepper Conversations with David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. Tune in next time as we tackle more tough topics to train a generation of better men. You can contact David and Aaron through Salt and Pepper Conversations at gmail.com. That's Salt and Pepper Conversations at gmail.com. 